At 11 past 7, second test gets underway on Friday. The South Africans got absolutely poleaxed in the first test after losing the toss and being inserted. Could a radical rule change help them? We're joined now by former black cap and commentator Peter McGlashan to discuss rejecting the toss. Welcome to the show, Pete. I'm just wondering, historically, if you look at the percentages of winning the toss and losing the toss. If you win the toss, you have a 34.6% chance of winning the game, but only a 31% chance of losing. There's not a lot of difference in it. So the difference of 3.5%, roughly, such a small margin, is it worth the change? Yeah, well, I mean, I think that's what cricket nuffies like ourselves love about the sport, is that if you look at things in isolation, it's really easy to feel like, you know, the the overthrows from Ben Stokes bat lost us the World Cup. But the reality is when you look at it at the entirety, those kind of anomalies start to dissolve into the distance. And as you mentioned, you know, those thousands and thousands of matches, it's only a 3% difference. But we can all identify coin tosses where on that day it was the deciding factor. I made a comment um, after that first test where New Zealand oddly won the toss, which doesn't happen, and then performed particularly well, cleaning out South Africa. The comment was based around it's all very well to win the toss, but then you've got to apply your good skill to the ground. And that's exactly what New Zealand did. They took a small advantage and they rammed it home. But the big advantage here, if you look at stats, says that if you're playing at home, you win. It's almost two to one. Does that need to be balanced? Does there need to be parity there for the good of the game? And could that be afforded with a, a change in the toss rules? Yeah, it could. And I guess that's the you know that's the conundrum for for sports fans and administrators to to contemplate is you know do you dabble with this thing over here which doesn't in isolate what doesn't seem to have too much of an effect on the game, but what it could do is actually rebalance another part of the statistics somewhere else. So you know effectively forfeiting a coin toss and allowing the visiting team to choose what they want to do wouldn't affect the winning percentages if you were t- assuming they'd won the toss but it would affect their winning percentages if you're saying you can do the the favoured thing and try and um, level things out. Look, it's something that has been tried a little bit. So in in English county cricket, there was a couple of years where they actually allowed the visiting team to choose. And the reason they did that was to try and stop home teams doctoring the pitches. And it did have that effect that the surfaces basically became more docile if they knew that the opposition team were going to get to decide whether they bat or bowl. But the question then becomes, do we want that to be you know we've we've really got to a point in New Zealand cricket where we have a reasonable amount of variety across the different test surfaces in New Zealand now and it's actually quite a nice thing to travel to a ground and have a different type of surface and so the question then becomes if you let the visiting team choose does the groundsman become more conservative is there a want do you think amongst cricketing fans to find some form of parity at that top level when we look at test match cricket particularly now the advantage is so much leaning toward the home team well, there is from the visiting fans, but unfortunately they're not the ones attending the stadium, standing in the stadium. Yeah, it's a difficult one, isn't it? You know, you're asking the home fans who have come along to cheer along their home team to relinquish, you know, some advantage which would have given their team a better chance of winning. It's a little bit like the All Blacks, you know, of old where they used to be unbeatable and you almost pined for a day where it was a competitive match. But look, it's an interesting kind of conundrum. It's one that's been around forever. I was looking at this, the... Um, the mention of a, the toss of a coin is actually goes right back to 17. The, the cricket's original rule book in 1744 said 
the pitching the first wicket is to be determined by the toss of a piece of money. So it didn't even mention coins. Maybe we've been doing it wrong. <laughs> tradition Should is we a, start with a start with a, the toss of an F postcard. <laughs> Maybe that the tradition is a, is a huge part of cricket. Is it as important as we like to think? Uh, I suppose that's a big issue around this because tradition denotes, and as you said, it came back all that time ago uh, that we have a toss, and so be it. Why argue? Why break that? Is that that important in, in the in the mind of a of a cricketer who are an awfully strange bunch? Let's put it forward with superstitions and the like. Yeah, incremental change is just part of, um, you know, society comes to accept incremental change. You know, the, before the cricket pitches were covered, um, you know, there was the sense that uncovered pitches, you know, made the games more interesting. People were up in arms when they decided to put names and shirt numbers on the back of test shirts, you know, it ruined the purity of a, a white cricket uniform. But actually, here we are a few years later, and no one even notices the fact that, you know, players have their names on the back and, and have a number now. So, look, I think it's one of those things where you could um, trial it at a local level and, and see whether it has the desired effect. It would take a bold administrator to add it at a national level, uh, at an international level. But the game changes. We've accepted um, day-night cricket, um, pink ball and all the other variations. So it needs to be something that is worth exploring, particularly if we feel like there needs to be a better balance between visiting and home teams. So hypothetically, if we were to give South Africa the choice, batting or bowling come Friday, do you think that would make much of a difference? Would you be comfortable with that? It probably wouldn't, but at least that um, that would remove one of the excuses, wouldn't it? I mean, yeah, the number of post-toss interviews where the captains asked, you know, what would you have done? And they said, oh, actually, it's a good one to lose because, yeah, the captains got no idea most of the time what they're going to do. There are definitely the, the pitches sometimes where it actually doesn't matter whether you bat or bowl and you're actually quite glad that the other captain won the toss and had to make that choice because you're always able to say, well, actually, you know, I would have done something different. So, look, I, I don't think it would. It would remove a, a you know a variation. Um, it would remove a sense of ceremony. Maybe there's a you know maybe you still get the guys to dress up in their blazers and wander out and, um, and explain the choice that they've made. There's still an interview to be had. It would just remove, I guess, or at least maybe provide some balance um, to that visiting and, and home um, imbalance that we have currently. Peter McGlash, and former Black Cap, joining us on the program. What about the Black Caps in India? This is always underlined as a place that you lose the toss. You might as well just pack up and go home. Is there particular uh, locales where it really is uh, quite accelerated this uh, this difference between winning and losing the toss. Well, I mean, as you mentioned at the start of the chat, you know, percentage-wise, no. Percentage-wise, there's only 3% difference between, you know, winning the toss or losing the toss. But as you said, there are some locations where if your team isn't prepared to play on that surface, your deficiencies will be exaggerated. So, you know, you would say that in years gone by, New Zealand teams playing at home on a green Basin Reserve wicket wanted to win the toss because they knew it was going to be pretty difficult for a, a visiting Indian or Pakistan team with a howling gale and only kind of 10 or 12 degrees Celsius. And same for us when we go to India. You know, if you feel like your team isn't quite as good on turning surfaces on day five, then you would love the ability to win the toss and be bowling on day five if you can. But, you know, that's that's part and parcel. And that wouldn't change if you allowed the visiting team to choose. Uh, I guess they would just get the 
the one that they felt gave them the best chance of success or um, or at least the draw, depending on how big the discrepancy is. So I think it's worth uh, exploring. But again, you know, whether anyone will ever have the courage to do it, you have to wait and see. So if you had your way, you'd like to see this go ahead and at least in an exploratory role, and you are an innovator, we know that with your, your catching helmet and your bats and so on and so forth. <laughs> this is something you would um, you would plump, you would look toward? Yeah, I mean, I guess I'm on the more progressive end of the spectrum, and politically and all things otherwise. So, you know, if I was CEO of the ICC, or uh, maybe it's something that probably has to come from the MCC as, as uh, people in charge of the rule book. But I think it's something worth exploring in the future. You know, if, if we got if we felt that the World Test Championship didn't have the luster that um, that it needs, then maybe you'd do something like this just to try and freshen it up. But you know. At the moment, we're in a situation where there's enough variability in the world. But if we had a situation where in a few years' time, test cricket was again under pressure to justify its place, then maybe this is one of those really easy tweaks that could be made.